It is our privilege to bring to you the following message, supported by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our normal Sunday morning service times. Pastor Rick Foster is serving as our interim senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church. While Pastor Rick is continuing in his series in the book of Mark, we have moved from experiencing Jesus to following Jesus. What does it mean exactly to follow Jesus? Well, Rick seeks to answer that question today in a sermon he's entitled, Get on the Same Page. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, and today Rick is looking at verses 21 to 34. Here's Rick. This time of year is typically full of lots of distractions, and so I feel like it's important for me to remind you that in not just a little over 60 days from now, the NFL preseason will begin. And we will have football once more. Now, some of you, I know your reaction is going to be, oh, no, and you're groaning. And some of you are cheering on the inside that football is once more going to return to, to television. For, for those of you who follow football regularly, you have seen um, the occasion when there is a pass play and the quarterback ends up throwing the ball to a completely empty field. And it's like, what's with that? And typically the camera zooms in on the quarterback about that time and he makes eye contact with the receiver to whom the ball should have gone to and typically you see him do this. You know, you were supposed to cut right, you cut left and so the ball went where nobody was standing. (laughs) They weren't on the same page, were they? I've often wondered what happened You know, they had a huddle just before the play was called. You know, everybody's standing around looking down. Uh, Was the noise so loud in the stadium that the receiver didn't hear his assignment? Or when looking down, was he more preoccupied with his shoes, like, you know, I need to get a new pair? Or by the time he got out to where he was supposed to stand, did he just simply forget? Maybe he took a hit to the head earlier in the game. Did he just forget what his assignment was supposed to be? Uh, Again, they weren't on the same page. This week I thought about, okay, where do we get that idiom, not on the same page? And it comes from the 1930s, the 1940s, from when before there was television, live radio drama was the big hit in the homes. Literally, families would gather around a radio to listen to actors portraying a drama. And what would occasionally happen is that a actor would forget to turn his page in the script, or he would turn too many pages uh, and skip over where he should be, and suddenly the dialogue made absolutely no sense, uh, because they weren't on the same page. So it's pretty obvious, not being on the same page can happen pretty much anywhere. It can happen in a marriage, it can happen at work, it can happen uh, in a family, anywhere where you've got a team setting It can occur, and when it does occur, the potential results can be disastrous, it can be disappointing, it can be, it can cause conflict, uh, it can literally break up the unity that a team has with one another. And so I find it interesting that historian Daniel Borston suggests that we as Americans suffer from all too extravagant expectations. See, that's what it means to be on the same page. We have an expectation of what I'm going to get from you and you're going to get from me. So in his much-quoted book, The Image, Borston makes this observation. Listen, he says, 
We as Americans expect anything and everything. We expect the contradictory and we expect the impossible. So we expect compact cars to be spacious. We expect luxury cars which are going to be economical. We expect to be rich and charitable, powerful and merciful, active and reflective, kind and competitive. We expect to eat and to stay thin, (laughs) to be constantly on the move and yet to really care for our neighbors, to go to the church of our choice and feel its guiding power over us, to revere God and yet we want to be God. And then he ends with this summary statement. Never have people been more the masters of their environment, yet never has a people felt more deceived and disappointed, for never has a people expected so much more than the world could offer. Expectations. As we come to Mark chapter 4, he has continued to put pen to paper and describe the incredible things that Jesus did and the remarkable things that Jesus said. Why? Because he's wanted us to experience Jesus as if we'd been there. But then as we've noticed in chapter 4, he shifts. Oh, he still tells us the incredible things Jesus did and the remarkable things that Jesus said, but now his focus is on what was it like to follow Jesus. Jesus is building into the lives of his followers. That's his focus. What was it like? Have you ever tried to imagine what it would have been like to be there? To hear the call of Jesus yourself? And we've talked about this back in our early weeks of of Mark, that to follow Jesus literally meant to get in line behind him. Our expectation is he's going to be our mentor, he's going to be our teacher. But are there other expectations? Um, If I'm going to follow Jesus today, what are the realistic expectations that that he has of me, and what are the realistic expectations that I should have of him? I mean, after all, we would never take a new job without discussing expectations. Uh, We would never enter a marriage. We would never join a club. We shouldn't even volunteer to serve here at RBC until we have a discussion about expectations. You see, I'm convinced that some of you here this morning are discouraged with Jesus. You're frustrated with him. You're you're disappointed because you thought accepting him as your savior would do something that has not happened. I think it's all because of expectations. We're not on the same page with Jesus. So what are the realistic expectations for following him? Because he wants us to be on the same page. And that's why we have in front of us this morning, Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 21, down to verse 34. Jesus gives us four realistic expectations. And they come in pairs. For watch carefully what he says. The first two are the expectations I should have of me as a follower of Jesus. The second two are expectations of what it means to follow him. So how do we get and stay on the same page with our Savior. First, first expectation is that following Jesus means to come with fresh eyes. Fresh eyes. Look at verse 21 and 22. Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? 
For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. In other words, when I make the decision to follow Jesus, I can expect now to be shown things I am not currently seeing. I mean, that's the intention here in this parable. When someone brings a lamp into a room, what do they want to provide? Illumination. They want to help people see. That's why Jesus uses the words made manifest and and come to light. And he's not just talking about truth in general. He's talking about himself, really. John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus makes it personal when he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we can expect that which is going to be revealed is going to be brand new. Again, look at the words he uses. It was hidden. He says it was secret. And by the way, those two words, hidden and secret, describe matters which only God can reveal. So think about it in this way. Those who have expensive jewelry or those who have very fine pieces of art oftentimes lock them up for safekeeping. But there are those occasions, there are those time, times that arrive when it's, when it's time to bring it out and reveal it and bring it out into the light. In fact, hold your finger here in, in Mark, uh, but turn all the way back to the very last chapter of Romans. Look how Paul describes that we should expect that we're going to see things we've not seen. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Paul writes and says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, watch, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all the nations. Oh, I am going to be shown things I have not seen before. And so to come to Jesus with fresh eyes, it's realistic to expect that we're going to see new things in at least two areas. As Mark continues uh, his gospel in the coming chapters, he's going to reveal how Jesus will show us things we've never known before, at least in two different areas. One of them is, who is God and what is he doing? So we should expect to to get to know the heart of our Heavenly Father. We're going to get to know God like we've never, ever gotten to know him before in our lives. And second, Jesus is also going to tell us about the plans and purposes of God. He'll show us that even though life looks out of control, life may look very random to us, All of its pieces are part of a master rescue and restorative scheme that God is orchestrating all around us. Yeah, we're going to get to know the heart of God and get to know what he's up to. But there's another area that we can expect to see things new, and Mark's going to reveal it, and that is we're going to get to know who I am and what I am to be doing. So as we follow Jesus... We're going to get to come, I mean, this is one of the fascinating things about the Bible, and a little scary at times, too, is that we're going to get to see things about ourselves we never knew. I mean, it's going to reveal our hearts to us, isn't it? And sometimes that's good, that's bad, and that's ugly. (laughs) But we need to know it. And we're also going to come to see the unique 
place and plans He has for every single one of us to fulfill as we represent Him in this generation. So it's realistic to have as our initial first expectation that in following Jesus we are to come with fresh eyes because we're going to see things we're not currently seeing. But there's a second type of ourselves. The second expectation is very realistic. And that is following Jesus means to come with attentive ears. This is kind of an echo back to where we were last Sunday. Look at verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Notice how Jesus introduces the second expectation. We are to expect to make hearing a priority. Look at verse 24 and the words, pay attention. That's not just a command. It's also describing a focused concentration on something. Which is hard for us. Recent studies uh, have described that the average person today in America living in a suburban or a metropolitan area is exposed to over 500 visual messages a day and over 2,000 verbal messages each day. So that's a total of, if you start thinking about it, of all the advertising, phone calls, conversations, texts, mails, radio, television, and all forms of social media. The study concludes this. Our brains can't truly process that many messages. We can't notice or absorb or even judge the the personal merit of that many attacks on our brains every day. So what, what do we do? Well, you all know what we do. To cope with all of that, we learn to tune things out. This is where we were last Sunday. We hear, but we do not listen. So we, we mentally disengage. We see, but we really don't observe things. <laughs> but Jesus is saying to his followers, you should have the expectation of yourself to come to me with attentive ears to anything that I communicate. Make it a priority. Well, why? Why can't I not afford to tune Jesus out? Well, look at what Jesus says next. It's reasonable to expect that my level of attention will determine allocation. Notice what he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, if in following Jesus, I I, I make listening attentively to him a priority, then I'm going to be given even more from him. It's kind of like if he knows that I'm, I'm hungry still, he's going to bring more food to the table. Like a good teacher, if he, if he sees I'm engaging in trying to master the material, then he's going to take me on to even more advanced studies. Then we come to verse 25, that the opposite is also true. If in following Jesus, I'm haphazard about what I hear, if I really am not paying all that much attention to him, 
If I really don't take him seriously, then what little my ears have already listened to will be taken away. What's his point? Use it or lose it. (laughs) So are those the expectations you have in following Jesus? The expectations you have of yourself? Do you come with fresh eyes, expecting to see new things? Do you come with attentive ears, giving His Word the priority that it deserves? Now, as I mentioned, Jesus now switches over to what we expect of ourselves to what we can expect of Him. What can we expect of Him and what He's doing? Well, here's the third, then, realistic expectation to have as a follower. And that is following Jesus is to expect planned progression. Look at verse 26. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grape, or when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So Jesus is giving us here another picture of the kingdom of God. Now remember what we've already learned about, from Mark about the kingdom of God. It is a brand new authority structure that is entered into human history, literally in the person of Jesus Christ. And it trumps all other structures that we lean on and we work within. So when a person follows Jesus, They've become engaged in the movement and development of the kingdom of God, both in their own lives and then through their lives to impact other people. Okay, so how does all that work? Back to a realistic expectation. Jesus tells us to expect a process of steady development. Again, notice the imagery he uses here. The image is how a seed changes and grows from being planted in the ground and then moving all the way up to harvest has come from that one single seed. So the implication is obvious. Getting from a single seed to to, to harvest is not instantaneous. It occurs over time. Likewise, what is realistic in our expectations is that what Jesus wants to do in us and through us It's not going to occur immediately. It's going to unfold over time. And that's why I've mentioned to you from up here several times that the imageries that the New Testament authors use all the time is when we follow Jesus, it's like maturing from a child to an adult. It's like growing from a seed all the way to to that seed, excuse me, being fruitful. It's like we're under construction like a building from foundation all the way to completed. But boy, that's hard. Because the tone and expectations that get bred into us by our culture makes us want to fight that. We're not good at waiting, are we? I'm not good at waiting. What's typically the American way? We want what we want, when we want it, and that when is now. If you don't believe me, just drive in California. Uh, you all have done it. You're, you're at a light, and the light turns green, and the guy in front of you hesitates to accelerate. What happens next? <laughs> okay, when was the last time you were in a drive through line or a checkout line at the store, and it was taking forever? 
Does it bother you that that website takes two seconds to load instead of one? Okay, see, this, this, is, this is our expectation. This is America. But following Jesus comes with the expectation that his work in us and through us into others is going to progressively develop. Sure, cheap buildings can be thrown up overnight, but glorious cathedrals take time. And folks, each one of you, you're not a cheap building. What God is doing in the life of Jesus Christ in you is to be a glorious cathedral. And by the way, that's the same expectation that we should have as the Lord uses us in the lives of others. It's going to take time for them. The changes that God wants to do in their lives will take time. So expect it. It will happen. It's going to be progressive. It will be steady development. It's going to come one day to harvest. Hang in there. Hang in there with them. But there's something in here that you can't afford to miss, and that is in his comments about planned progression, Did you notice that Jesus makes it clear that we should expect to not be in control? Look at verse 27 and verse 28 again. The farmer, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Verse 28, the earth produces by itself. So farmers, gardeners, we can encourage growth, But we don't control it. Other natural God-designed processes are at work. Likewise to the spiritual life and the kingdom of God. It's, it's, It's growing by divine processes. But we can't control this thing. Oh, yeah, we can encourage it. Yes, we can cooperate with it. Absolutely. But really, something supernatural and divine is happening in us and it's happening around us. I mean, Paul, he identified this in... 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and verse 7, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So what realistic expectations should I have of following Jesus? Well, come with fresh eyes to see things you've never seen before. Come with a tent of ears to make it a high priority with anything he says. Third, expect the work of God in me and then in others around me to be a process. Let me give you the fourth one. Here's another expectation to have of Jesus, and that is following Jesus is to expect eventual expansion. Verse 30. And so Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? Well, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Okay, so again, step back for a moment. Look at the whole picture. What we're being given is a picture of of movement from a very small seed, which when put in the ground begins to grow, and eventually becomes quite large. So it is reasonable to expect that the initial appearance is going to be unimpressive. Again, Jesus makes the comment that this mustard plant seed is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, and people have jumped on that because that is not true. There are other smaller seeds than the mustard seed. 
But Jesus is simply using a proverbial statement that was common in his day. In his day, when comparing the sizes of items, people would, might say, oh, the smallest one there is like a mustard seed, meaning the smallest. I mean, we use proverbial statements all the time in life, and nobody jumps on our case because they're not scientifically true. Like, yeah, the sun is setting in the west. No, it's not. The earth is rotating east. Okay, <laughs> Proverbial statements, we use them all the time. The point Jesus is trying to make is that a small mustard seed is not that impressive. Its size does not hint at how in a few weeks, under optimal conditions, it literally can grow to be over 15 feet high. The initial work of Jesus in our life, in fact, his initial work in history was not very impressive, was it? I mean, think about it. An uneducated carpenter he was, born in a rural hick town, never traveled more than 100 miles from where he was born, never wrote a book, never was considered to be a mover and shaker in his day, was never accepted by the cultural elite. He collected around him a ragtag group of followers and misfits who were often politically motivated and eager for personal gain and and recognition, they flunked many of the tests that he put out in front of him. And when it was time to stand and be counted alongside of him, they ran and abandoned him. Not very impressive at the start. And some of you here this morning might think, how can a guy like that who lived over 2,000 years ago, speak into my life in a way that would be transforming. Because the initial appearance, not that impressive. And then we come to the first word of verse 32. What is it? Yet. Yet we are told it's realistic to expect it to expand in size and strength. From the unimpressive start of a small little seed, that mustard plant is going to grow beyond the size and strength of anything else that's in the garden. So could the quiet, unimpressive start of accepting Jesus Christ as your rescuer and redeemer actually result in a transformation that's impressive in your life? Absolutely. Could the words written here, which so many see as just simply quaint or irrelevant in, in our day, literally jump off the page as they bring us hope and forgiveness and courage and joy in a massive way? Yes. Expect it. It's realistic. That's why I love Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Ah, oh, Lord God. It is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing. This little red paper cup's not very impressive, is it? We throw them away. (laughs) They're around our feet all the time. But there's a true story associated with a red paper clip that maybe some of you know, some of you don't. It has to do with a young man by the name of Kyle McDonald who was stuck in a dead-end job making minimum wage and no savings, no money. 
And one home, one, he was home one day, he was sitting at his desk, and he saw in front of him this, a red paper clip on, on the desk. And he picked it up and began to play with it, and he began to wonder, what can I do with a red paper clip? I don't have anything else in my life. And then he remembered the childhood game, and maybe some of you have played it, called Bigger Better, where you take a very simple um, object, and then you try to trade it with somebody else for something bigger and better. For some reason, they want what you have, and you want what they have. Um, so Kyle came up with this improbable plan. He thought to himself, okay, I have nothing else to lose, so I'm going to start with just this one red paperclip, and I'm going to trade on the Internet until I get a fully paid-for, mortgage-free home. I'm not teasing you. If you want to, you can read the book uh, about it. So first, what he did is he traded this red paperclip for a fish-shaped writing pen. Then he traded the writing pin for a doorknob. He traded the doorknob for a Coleman stove. Traded the Coleman stove for an electric generator. He traded the electric generator for a Budweiser sign and a keg of beer. Then he traded that for a snowmobile. On and on it went until exactly one year, 14 trades later, McDonald finally reached his goal. Not sure, you'd have to read the story but he had a part in a Hollywood movie that he traded for this home in Saskatchewan, Canada. Free and clear. Is it realistic to expect that following Jesus will lead to eventual expansion? Yeah, just look at a paperclip. If you don't want to believe his words. (laughs) So how's it going for you this morning in following Jesus? How's it going? Are you excited? Are you discouraged? Are you puzzled? Or are you pleased? Is is, is it vibrant? Or is it dry? Are you you sensing it's it's really fulfilling? Or are you frustrated with it? And your answer is if we would pass the microphone around this morning... Regardless of whether you have just started your relationship with Jesus Christ or, or you've been following him for years, I believe your answers are all going to be tied up in your expectations. So let me say it one more time. Are you coming with, with fresh eyes? Are you coming with attentive ears? Are you coming with the expectation that there's a planned progression that I can be a part of that he's about? And are you expecting eventual expansion of all this? That's what Jesus tells us it means to be on the same page with him. So let's pray about it. Okay, join me. And before we pray, maybe, no, not maybe, I just need to ask you, just quietly where you're sitting, has the Holy Spirit put his finger on one of those four expectations? Is there one of them where you have felt his prompting? Or maybe something inside you kind of went, ooh. Ooh. Boy, pay attention to that. Maybe it's an expectation that's been uh, twisted out of shape. Maybe it's an expectation that's been absent. I don't know. But in prayer now, can I lead you to bring that right 
hear to him and see this as a time of talking with him individually. Father, we, we, we realize there are probably other expectations that could be added to the list, but these are the ones Jesus gave us to have at the foundation. So we need to start here and not move away too quickly. Father, I want to bring that one that I sense your spirit's kind of pointing me to. And Father, if there, I need to ask forgiveness, I want to. I, but I need you to help me to repent if I need to do that. I want to be on the same page with my Savior. Father, thank you that you love us so much that you want us on the same page with you. You're not trying to keep this from us. You're not trying to play cat and mouse with us. You declared this openly to us that we might enjoy and be challenged and grow in following you. Father, thank you that these expectations that we can have of ourselves and that we can have of you are meant to lead us to life with a capital L. Just like you intended that for your disciples. And so, Father, we come and just commit ourselves to you, thankful that it's not about getting this right. It's about letting you work in our lives. Thank, thank you that you start right where we are. And so, Father, we just pray and commit ourselves to you. Amen wonderful name of our Savior, the great storyteller. We commit ourselves to you in his wonderful name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.